Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So today I'm talking to Alison Penner. And at first sight, the um, subject we're going to talk about seems... Um, very sad one, but actually it's a story filled with inspiration and all sorts of learning points for people. And so, Alison, good afternoon and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much, Russell. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your story, if you would, please. Uh, so I introduce myself typically as Alison Penna, a.k.a. Bad Widow. And I don't say that because I'm bad, but I say that because... Um, When I became a widow, I discovered that there were a lot of assumptions that people made about how to handle me that were flat out wrong. And so I started just disrupting those assumptions. So let me backtrack a little bit to the history. Um, I was uh, married three weeks short of 20 years. My husband in 2015 was diagnosed diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Wow. Yeah. And um, the, the time span, the lifespan, typically for someone with that diagnosis, it's six weeks to four months. Yeah. So after being together almost 25 years, um, I was suddenly looking at an end to this person that I loved for a long time. Yeah. Um, he lived for 11 months and then died in my arms at home. And I'll tell you, um, being with someone who is, has that kind of diagnosis where your partnership will end and you don't exactly know when, but soon. Yes. It changes how you live really dramatically. So it, it, it makes life urgent. People are always saying, what would you do if tomorrow was the last day of your life? But we don't really live that way. And what we wound up doing in those 11 months, and I'll get to the bad widow in a a minute, um, is that we started just living full tilt boogie. Um, I had on my bucket list to um, sing on a stage. I'd sung in gospel choirs, but I wanted to sing in a cabaret show and have my own songs. And I sang in two cabaret shows 
while my husband was essentially dying um, because I needed to remember that I was more than a caregiver and I would be more than a widow. And his dying so defined my life that I had to have something outside of it or I was not going to come out whole. Wow. So, so let, let me unpack some of that, if I may, because a lot of people, when they hear news of cancer fall apart or they run around in circles or they, or they sort of look for the most, um, or they, look for, for they look for a medical solution almost. Yep. Um, and I, I'm, I'm guessing those things went through your mind. Well, and, and we did all those things. So my husband um, did chemo until he couldn't tolerate the chemo anymore. Um, but the doctors kept saying, you know, slow down, you need to rest. And our thought was, why? Yeah. I mean, his, his life was going to end. So he finished painting his last um, watercolor commission. He was a, a, an artist all of his life, um, the Thursday before he died. And I really curated an environment where in the face of horrifying circumstances, we could as best as possible thrive. Yes. Um, which was not easy. I mean, um, it was not easy. And, uh, so then on in September of 2016, 11 months after the diagnosis, he died in my arms at home. Yeah. And we had um, started a practice when we were particularly afraid. I basically created this love meditation of filling up with love, like filling every cell up with love yeah. because the fear doesn't override the love yes and so when he that last day um i was holding him it was just us at home alone and i said you know in a body you need breath and love and when you leave a body all you need is love so when you're ready just go out on the love and that's what happened I mean, all the things I was afraid might happen, none of them did. Yeah. He took four breaths and left. Wow. It was and, incredible. And, and so much to talk about here, isn't it? Because there's a difference in your story, in a way, mm-hmm. to the story of people who lose people suddenly. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, you had the chance to, to prepare and to, and to think about it and to, and to, and to actually... Um, ready yourself i don't think probably made it any easier but was that a useful process is that something that you is that something that you did consciously well i thought i was prepared (laughs) right i mean uh, i um it's not actually possible to prepare for losing the most central person to your life right Uh, you you think you can prepare and, you know, we, we made wills and we did the financial stuff we had to do. And there are things you can prepare for. Um, but he died and I was at 56, a widow. Yeah. So I was not so young and I was not so old. And, 
I was kind of in the middle. And I felt completely broken. Yes. Um, and there were, there were real physical side effects. So, for example, um, my memory started becoming completely unreliable. So, I would lose pieces of information. I asked my mother once when she was coming to visit me seven times in a row when she was coming. Because yes. I couldn't hold it in my memory. Yeah. And it had a, a drastic impact on what I was able to do because I had worked as a medical editor and proofreader, which is very specific, detailed information. And I couldn't remember anything. Um, I was a consultant. So I did this um, basic business that I created called affluence code consulting, which I used in the course of the time when Dave was dying and and as a widow, um, Reader's Digest, there are what it always annoyed me that everyone wasn't thriving. And so I went looking for why that was. And what I discovered is that there are three ways that people interact in the world, three sort of priorities, and everybody's got all of them okay. in some order. Yeah. So the first is um, focus on work, creating right. impeccable work. That was my husband. That's why I made sure he could work until the Thursday before the Saturday he died in my arms. Yeah. The second is, and it's not in any particular order, the second is... Um, a lens I call love, and that's nurturing one-on-one relationships, starting with yourself. And then the third is what I call uh, charity, and that is serving a thriving ecosystem. And that's actually my first. So when my, my husband was dying, he had to work, and I had to lean into my community. Yes. So, so let's, let's, let's unpack a little bit of that as well, if I may, then, because sure. you've, you've said something which I think a lot of people um, undervalue there, which is this need to carry out a degree of self-care. Mm-hmm. This idea that in order to be able to give to somebody else, you do have to look after yourself, don't you? And I think a lot of people sort of neglect that. What, what do you think about that? Well, self-care is a buffer zone to, is, is a necessary part of resilience as I see it. Yeah. So it's a buffer zone against the experience that you're in the midst of. And people talk about my loss like, like it's the worst thing, but any loss or transition provokes a sequence of events. Yeah. So there is a loss to a divorce, even if it's chosen. There is a loss to losing a job or having a business fail or having a financial breakdown or having health failures or aging. Yes, that's true, actually. Every single one of these pushes us into a transition which is usually unwanted. And we're not taught how to navigate that. 
So what happened after I became a widow was, first of all, I felt broken. Mm. My memory was utterly unreliable. To make an appointment, to see someone, I started really leaning on my calendar. So if I made an appointment, I put it in my calendar right away because I knew the next second I wouldn't remember. Yes. And it came down to as basic as I put baskets of easily eatable food around my house because I had about two minutes after I remembered I was hungry to go get something to eat. Yes. It was crazy. Um, My energy was also really unreliable. Sometimes I had lots and lots and lots of energy and other times I had no energy. Yeah. Um, And so when I had lots of energy, I did as much as I could. Yeah. Because I I couldn't know that I would have that the next day. It was not certain. And as a consultant, that was deadly. Yes. I mean, if you're going to meet and talk to clients, my capacity to be with people was very limited. Yeah. So it had an absolutely devastating effect. Um, what I discovered was that not only did I feel like I was broken for a period of time, and basically at a certain point I declared, this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. Yes. Um, but other people treated me that way. Now, now you're saying something very interesting here, because I think in my own experience of loss, people... People seem to put up for a short period of time, and then they sort of have a view that really should be over it by now, don't they? It's, exactly. You, what, what, what do you mean? Has the, you know, are you fixed? Are you, are you dating yet? And things like that. I mean, within three or four minutes, you know, you need to get back out there, and you know, and people don't people don't realise actually that there's a there's a long natural cycle to this process, isn't there? Yes, there really is, and I. Um, because it's in my nature to deconstruct things and figure out why things are working and why things aren't, this pervasive assumption that my circumstances had broken me, yes. maybe forever, was really interesting. And that's, that's when I started writing as Bad Widow. So, 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 the, so, just to jump in again, again, sorry. Um, yeah. So, people think that the circumstances have broken you because is that about being defined as being part of your husband rather than being part of, as a separate person going on a joint on a joint journey? Well, that's a a perfect segue to what I discovered. So, what I found was that there are actually three levels of navigating your way out of loss. And when I started explaining this, I literally got a note from someone who said, now I understand why I've been grieving that loss for 40 years. I never got through the three levels. So the first is to actually grieve the loss, to give yourself all the self-care you require to fill up again. Because literally... I would lie in bed that first year, almost all of that first year, and I would have to think of a reason to get out of bed every single day. Yes. It was horrifying. 
And then some days were easier and some days were harder, but I would not get out of bed until I had a reason to be alive. Yeah. And part of my reason for being alive was to serve. And part of why I started talking about this stuff is that I looked around and everyone was talking about the practical stuff. How do you deal with your finances? Or after the raw pain. But there were very few people who were willing to talk from inside it. So they weren't useful to me, these other resources. Okay. They were great, but they were not expressing the fact that time was slipping and sliding on me. I, I couldn't remember my past. And from my perspective, I didn't have a future. Right. The future I had imagined was gone. Yes. On those four last breaths. Everything. So I have a, a different definition of loss or transition. So it's the death of something imagined or co-created that will now never come to pass. Because if you think about it, when you build something and it falls apart, that's a future. That's something you dreamed up that's not happening. Yes. So, so, so 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 the loss isn't about what you've lost in terms of what you had. It's about what you might have had in the future. Exactly. That's a very interesting way of thinking about it. Because that would therefore questions some of the sort of traditional ways of looking at grief you know the sort of Kubler-Ross sort of grief curves and things yeah well those aren't true (laughs) (laughs) I mean they they just they don't go sequentially that way no I mean I was awash with grief for a long time and then I hit rage yes and, and it's not understandable. There's no way to explain to someone who hasn't been through it what this is like. Yes. And part of the time thing that you were talking about is that it's really, really hard to be with someone who is in that state for a long time. Yes, it must be. Because it, it makes the people around us who want to support us feel helpless. Yes. So the first piece that I discovered was how to really proactively heal more powerfully and peacefully. Yes. Um, And that involved amp up the self-care, honor where you are. So if you have lots of energy, do a lot. If you have little energy, do a little. But the thing that's deadly is expecting to be who you were. Yes. I'm going to bounce back. Yes, straight away. You can't do. You can't bounce back straight away, can you? You never bounce back. No, you bounce to a different place, don't you? Yes. Yeah. And that's key. That's really key it's because bouncing, it's bouncing forward, isn't it? It's bouncing forward, but if you're trying to be who you were, you will fail. Yeah. You that, will fail. That is that is such a that is such a simple idea yet is quite immense when you think about it isn't it yeah it's the idea that you can't step in the same part of the river twice isn't it and it is, is it, it is interesting just in the language how we talk about bouncing back all the time that's, mm-hmm. that's the first time i've heard it articulated like that so that, that's fascinating so, so sorry i interrupted you to sort of say how wonderful that was but do carry on sorry <laughs> no it's fine 
Um, so then the second level was you've actually lost. What I discovered was that if you're with somebody for 25 years, you bend your likes and dislikes around theirs. Yeah. So there's a getting along. Yeah. And, and it's not that you don't like the things that they like. It's that if you had your own preferences, you might not do them. Exactly. Yes. Compromise. Exactly. I mean, and, it, and it's a part of any relationship. But what I discovered after Dave died is that there are things that he loved that I had been saying I loved for decades that I actually didn't. And I began a process of reinventing myself, of figuring out what I liked as an individual alone. And because I was honestly clueless, that just required a lot of experimenting. Let me try this. Let me try that. And that process of making distinctions is enormously powerful. Yes. The other thing that I found in this time was that people are so afraid of getting things wrong around someone who's had some kind of a loss. Yes. Because they don't know what to say and they don't know what to do. So one of the things that I say is people would step up, step back or step out. Yeah. And I lost people for my life. Yeah. Who couldn't deal with me as I was. And people step back because they, they loved me. They didn't want to get it wrong or they wanted to support me, but they were afraid of being stupid. Yes. And one of the things that I started doing as bad widows is providing support for the people who wanted to support people who had loss. Right. And this is what you're doing now, then. This is the whole idea behind the Bad Widow website and such like, is it? Yes, exactly. So tell me more about that, because obviously um, badwidow.com seems to be full of resources and all sorts of interesting things. So yes. Tell me a bit about this. I was going to call it project. I don't mean that. But tell me a bit about this, this um, concept and idea and, and basically how people can get hold of you here as well. Yeah, basically, it's it's a, a consulting resource, um, and I I work with people in the three levels of navigating through a transition. Yeah. So the first is healing from the loss or transition. The second is um, has to do with reinventing yourself, including getting so clear in communicating what you want that it's a win win for everybody. Yeah. What I discovered as a widow is that people always want to give you what you want if it's in their power to do so. But it's necessary to get super clear about what you want and ask clearly so that they can win. If people can't get it wrong, if they'll be a hero to you, if they do what you're asking, they will always do it. Yes. And that's huge. <laughs> that's, that's, that's almost based around the old Zig Ziglar idea of businesses, isn't it? Spend your time figuring out what other people want and provide it to them. It's sort of that idea in reverse, which is quite an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. figure out what you want. Yeah. And I think yep. there's a lot of people in life who are, com- you know, I'm really struck by that comment about the compromise piece of relationships. And the more, you know, I spend a lot of time coaching people and, 
much of the resentment in relationships and work and within teams comes from this degree of compromise, doesn't it? And, yes. And I suppose this process of reinvention, I mean, having that and then, and then being clear about what you want. So if you don't want to compromise, maybe you should stop compromising. But it's quite brave. You have to be quite brave to do that. I mean, you've had a personal situation which has forced that bravery. But for other people who are in the middle of a relationship, I'm very struck by this idea of we go through um, life and relationships compromising. And we also go through life and relationships not realising that what you've done is lived almost a whole life in six months. And, and <laughs> why, weren't you, why weren't you doing that anyway? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then the the third piece of what I do is that, as I said, people uh, stepped up, stepped back, or stepped out. And I wound up with holes in my networks of support, both personal and professional. And I developed strategies for assessing the networks based on what resources they provided. So if we think about networks, we think about them in terms of all the things that they do for us. So they are um, people to go out with. They are people to give referrals. They are These are all people, right? But we don't proactively assess them after every transition and rebuild them yeah. so that they serve us properly. And it's reciprocal, right? So if if we are being taken care of by our networks, we are organically also taking care of our networks. Yes. And it occurred to me that people usually do this by default. The people leave who are important to us, but we don't look at why they were important, why it mattered that they were in our networks. And we don't look for someone to fill that space strategically yes and if we do that then that bends back into the idea of communicating so clearly that you get what you want then you have the people who can deliver what you want from your networks if you're curating them in this way yes so those are the things that i do and they they sort of wind way beyond being a widow but this is what i learned because i kept hitting these challenges. Um, And then because it's in my nature to do so, I developed resources and strategies to to solve them. And it turned out they resonated with other people too. Yes. And I notice on your website, you've got um, a very interesting idea, this, this idea of whether you're really living. Yep which I find quite interesting. So you can go to badwidow.com and have a look at that resource. And is that a free thing that people can have a go at? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. And I also offer, you know, a free call with me. If you want to actually talk to me, call me up. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, Fantastic. Alison, so much to talk about, but so little time (laughs) because I'm I'm very conscious of your time rocking by. I think the easiest thing to say is, you, you've got a, uh, so many resources on the website. I've been looking at it myself. You've got things in the shop. You've got all sorts of things you can have a look at. Alison, um, if, what, what's life looking for, like for you rolling forward? I am uh, curating the legacy of my husband's art, selling it. Um, and, and one of the challenges has been not to have his legacy eat mine. <laughs> um, 
I'm in love again. That's another story for another time. Congrats. Um, and my everything is amazing. I'm continuing to build on this stuff that I've learned because there's a lot to unpack here. Fantastic. Well, I said you were going to have an inspirational story, but you're not just, just not just an inspirational story. It's been an inspirational conversation as well. And uh, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm so pleased that, that you're at that stage of, you know, not a happy ending, but a happy bouncing forward. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Alison. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links and you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers tools and resources including free articles and ebooks for those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively you can find our new patreon page at patreon.com then search for resilience unraveled i look forward to being in your ear next time around take care